Okay, the book of Revelation, chapter 13. Beasts out of the sea and the earth. There are two things mainly happening in this chapter. And it's pretty interesting. So I'm going to read from the uh, New King James Version, those verses right there. And I've got them on the screen for you, or you can use your Bible, or you can just listen, whatever you like. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns, seven heads, with ten, seven, sorry, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed, and the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? A couple of things here. First of all, the dragon is mentioned three times in just this short section. You know, I would honestly love to know exactly what John saw. Did he see imagery in allegorical terms? Was it like a something representing something else? Did he actually see a dragon? Did he see Satan in the form of something that looked like a dragon? We don't really know. And what? Is it recording? Oh, I believe it is. You can check. But... We do know that the dragon obviously stands for Satan, and we'll get to that in a minute, but John has provided in this section, this chapter 13, and what's really interesting, by the way, let me interrupt myself, it, it almost seems like chapter 12, if you recall, was like a parenthesis, like, okay, that's going on. Well, meanwhile, let me tell you about this, then we'll get back to the action, but it isn't really. Chapter 13 is really a continuation in some sense of chapter 12, because what Satan started in Revelation chapter 12, he continues, but the difference is we've now moved past the resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the very end of human history. And that's what Revelation chapter 3 is, 13, pardon me. These are the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, which in essence is the last three and a half years of human history. And that's still in front of us, but it's fascinating if you stop to think of it that there actually is an end to human history. And it ends when Jesus comes back. And it ends the tribulation at the seven-year point. So when Jesus comes back, that's the end of human history. So when the tribulation starts, we've got seven years to go, by the time we get to Revelation 13, we are basically in the middle of the tribulation. Right around there. So we've got about three and a half years to go yet. And so Satan continues doing what he started in Revelation 12, but he also knows by this time, his time is extremely short. And he doesn't want to waste a moment of it, so he doesn't. So he's got these two guys coming up, the Antichrist, the false prophet. The Antichrist steps up first. 
And, of course, the Antichrist is going to be the go-to guy, the ruler of the final one-world government. He's going to be ruling it. And you know, it's funny, when I was a kid, I shouldn't say a kid, I wasn't really a kid, I was a young man in the 70s, and I studied this stuff, and I thought, how is all this going to happen? How is it, how, what? You get to parts where it says, um, you know, especially with the two witnesses, every eye will see it, the deaths of these guys, and the resurrection of these guys. And you think, how is that possible? And the, the closest I could think of at that time because that's what the prophecy experts were talking about, was the satellite imagery. So it would be instantly sent around the world via television. But we don't need those now, because we've got Wi-Fi, Internet. When Sylvia and I were in the, in the 80s, we'd been married a few years, and personal computers didn't exist. Wi-Fi, Internet, what was that? I still remember the first time I went on the Internet. I'm sure I've mentioned it to you. There was nothing there. There was a page. That was it. And then you could try to go, if you knew where things were, you could type in a specific location. But I didn't know where anything no, was. No, you had to type in a exactly. long, long string. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything. We were using DOS. Everything. Because we were using DOS. Exactly. <laughs> and your phone to dial up. Yeah. yeah. You know what was nice about DOS? Your computer never crashed. You never That's had any errors. Never had any problems. But then uh, Bill Gates stole the. Uh, Stephen Jobs' idea of folders, called them windows, and the rest is history. But here we are in really the last three and a half years of human history. So Satan sets himself up with the Antichrist and the false prophet, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before. If I haven't, I'm going to mention it now. What he's doing here is creating the false trinity, the counterfeit trinity. He, of course, will represent God the Father, who was never seen. The Antichrist will represent God the Son. And then the false prophet represents the Holy Spirit. So this is what he goes for. He has no original thought of his own, so he has to copy and try to duplicate or replicate. What is the reference to the land and the ocean? Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that briefly. Um, so this continues the activity of Satan from Revelation 12. Now, the beast out of the sea, really the first ten verses of this chapter, talk about the beast out of the sea, and really, the sea here likely represents all of humanity. Um, it's easy to look at this and go, and I, I've read commentaries by uh, Bible scholars who say, well, the sea is an ocean and this beast is representing this, and it's allegorical, because there's really nothing that has seven heads and ten horns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's really representing uh, humanity. And, and this is used, by the way, in various places of Scripture, uh, where it talks about the sea. And you've heard the expression, it's a sea of humanity. You've heard that expression. This is part of where that comes from. So Satan, and, and that's why it's so fascinating to ask, well, what did John actually see? Did he see a like a production in front of him? Did he see reality? I mean, obviously, on one hand, no one will ever see this. No one's going to see this. So God must have put this in pictures and allegorical uh, ways of thinking about it so John would be able to grasp what was happening. So I'm sure in whatever vision John saw, he saw the dragon which is obviously Satan, 
in some form, standing on the seashore and out of the sea of humanity, but it was an ocean in John's vision, he sees this huge beast come up. Well, what is the beast? Well, we know that John, because of the similarities, he's referring to the beasts and the kingdoms and empires that we first learned about in Daniel 2. And then that we go to Daniel 7, and we get more information about those <clears throat> empires. And so really, John is reaching back there as well, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's really reaching back to Daniel, mainly chapter 7 in this section. We'll talk about that too. But what, what happens here is, remember, this is Satan's attempt to continue to destroy the rest of the woman's offspring. We're talking not just Jews. Oh, Not the remnant. Yeah. Everybody's. Gentile. Everyone. Gentiles. All nations. All people of all nations. He wants to destroy anyone who is remotely connected to God in spiritual relationship. So a literal sea, I think, is impossible because the beast represents an actual person. So no individual person, human, would rise up out of the ocean. So the beast literally, we are told in Revelation 11, 7, which we've already gone over, and also in 17, 8, that this beast literally comes out of the abyss. So whether, the, obviously we're talking about, I guess in spiritual form, I know a gentleman who uh, I admire and respect in his thinking, and he believes that this beast that comes out of the abyss is Judas reincarnated, or spirit, his spirit brought back, and who will indwell Emmanuel Macron. He is convinced that this guy is a real good possibility for the Antichrist. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. No Is idea. The, uh, French. French president. And did you know... White House. I'm sorry? He was just at the White House. Exactly. He was just at the White House. Why has he had so many meetings with Pope Francis? Uh, you know... When His somebody name is, is interesting. I ne it never really hit me. Emmanuel means God man. with us. Yeah, yeah, it spells it slightly differently. The Saudis also had a meeting with Emmanuel. I mean, so there's something happening here. He doesn't seem to be that powerful right now, but something's going on. We don't know. Don't know well, at all. He's not described as being very powerful early on. That's no, right. he isn't. Yeah. For the first three and a half years. He's kind of a follower and... Uh, you it know, takes him, and then later on, yeah. he takes charge. It takes him a while. Prominent. Right, it takes him a while to move up the, the chain of command there. And, and I think it's really at this point in the, uh, the middle of the tribulation is when, well, we'll get to that too, but that's when Satan imbues this dude with his power, supernaturally, spiritually. And prior to that, he's just some guy. So, I mean, if you think about it, and I've mentioned this before, too, I know, I think, I think Satan has had an Antichrist potential character in every generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hitler would have, there were a lot of people who thought Hitler was the Antichrist. They were living then, and, and there were so many things that were similar. He went after Jews. He then went after Gentiles who supported Jews. I mean, you know, he was a great candidate for the uh, Antichrist, but... One thing that Satan does not have going for him, he doesn't know the timing of any of this stuff, so he always, I'm imagining he always must have someone ready in every generation. Mm -hmm. So when he gets that okay, when he sees that it's a green light, he goes for it. Yeah.
Yeah, you ever had competition though, Stalin? Oh yeah. Oh, Stalin. Any more people? Absolutely. Yeah, but he did. Did he go after specifically the Jews? He, not specifically, right. but there were Jews tied up in, and he went after the church as well. Yes, and you know it's amazing when you look at all the known dictators, whether it's Stalin, whether it's uh, Mussolini, Hitler, uh, Pol Pot. I mean, you can name them just like I can. What did they do? They massacred millions of people. It, I mean, it, it, they just. Genocide. Yeah, that's what they do. They operate off of fear. Yes. Yes. And so in order to make sure they're going to be able to retain power, they'll kill as many people as they can because that's what motivates other people. Yeah, one of the first things clear. they do is take up all the guns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't want any arms. And close the churches. Yeah. They're not going to get the guns in this, no. this country. No. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, there are going to be people. There were some who will get them. They'll get some, but the people who were really uh, understanding the Constitution are patriotic. Yeah, we have rednecks. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. John stressed three things about this beast his conspiracy with the dragon in verses 3 and 4, his success in deceiving the whole world, verses 3, 4, and 8, and his success in temporarily. Defeating God's saints, verses 6 and 7a, and we'll get to those in just a minute. But John is pointing out there's three things about this Antichrist, this beast out of the sea. He conspires with the dragon. He is willing to sell his soul to get whatever power Satan can give him to amass a global kingdom and control it. And he deceives the world. And one of the ways he deceives the world is, we'll mention this in just a minute, um, some commentator, because it talks about, you know, uh, where is it? and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about briefly two possibilities with that. Uh, but this is the final empire of Daniel 7, and John clearly sees this ruler. This is what's interesting about this. He sees this ruler as the embodiment of that final regime. So this guy who rises out of the sea of humanity to literally become the appointed guy who is the ruler of this final global empire that we are moving to. I, to I totally believe we are there. And we'll talk about why I think that in a minute. You're free to disagree with me, but that's okay. Um, so the Antichrist will be so, Im so much the embodiment of this final empire, he will be one and the same. When you talk about Antichrist, it'll be the same as talking about the empire he leads. So I think that that's pretty interesting. But the question is, how does the beast gain the control over the world? And let's, let's look at these next few verses, verses 5 through 8 of Revelation 13, which says this, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. There's your three and a half years right there. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Where does God dwell? He dwells Technically, his throne is in the third heaven. So those who live in... He slanders his name. He blasphemes God. He slanders 
the dwelling place, the throne of God, and those who are in heaven. Seven, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. What that means, obviously, very clearly, is that multitudes of Christians will be martyred during the last three and a half years. They will be martyred at the beginning, but at this point, things are going to be ramped up viciously. And if you're a Christian, during this time, chances are good that you will be killed for your faith. That's just a fact, and we've been warned. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Wow. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Everybody else will fall down and worship this guy. They will have no problem doing that. The people whose names are written in the book of life won't. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. That's the Lamb's book of life. It's that Lamb. So, what is this telling us? Well, first of all, this beast, Antichrist, is given authority by Satan, the dragon. He possesses the qualities. This is fascinating to me. He possesses the qualities, verse 2, of, hey buddy, of the three animals listed, the leopard's swiftness, Agility, vigilance, craftiness, and fierce cruelty. Anyone who knows anything about a leopard knows how fast they are, how agile they are. They can be flat out running as fast as they can across the earth, and going up a tree makes it look like they know how to fly. They're agile, they're vigilant, they are so patient when stalking prey. Crafty, and they're fiercely cruel. They are fiercely cruel. Leopards are amazing. The bear's brutality, anybody, you know, you guys ever hunted for bear? A friend of ours in uh, Pennsylvania, he did, and he has a picture of him with this bear's head that he shot. But I'll tell you what, if you don't kill the bear, and he knows you're there, or she knows you're there, you're dead. You are dead. So it's you or the bear. And they are brutal as you, I'm sure, know. They are just absolutely brutal. And the lion's strength and majesty. Lions are amazing. They're majestic, but they are so strong. So strong. I saw a short video of a person at a zoo. They were being extremely foolish. They crawled under, underneath the bar, you know, where the cage was, where there... It was a fairly large... Uh, area for the, for the lions to walk around in, but they had walked past that bar and they went up to the cage. And then they decided to do something even more stupid. They turned around and they sat down by the cage. Well, you can imagine what happened next. The person lived, but the lion behind it just reached out, grabbed the person's leg, and pinned it against the cage and tried to pull them in. I don't remember if they lost their leg. They lost a ton of blood, but just stupid. Stupid. No respect for the lion's strength. But this particular Antichrist will have all of those. They'll possess all of those qualities. So you can imagine a leader possessing all of that. What we're seeing here, the leopard, the bear, the lion, is from uh, Daniel 7. And those three each represented their own kingdom. Their own kingdom. Greece, the leopard, brilliancy. I mean, 
Alexander was a brilliant military strategician. He died very young in his 30s, but he, the speed with which he created the Greek Empire was unbelievable, conquering one area after another. It was like nothing could hold him back. He was also known as a ram in, I think, Daniel 2 or 4. So he was a leopard or a, or a ram. We're talking about speed here, brilliant. The Medo-Persians, you'll recall, was the bear kind of like lopsided with the fish in its mouth and, you know, the flesh. It never really coalesced. Babylon is represented by the lion, absolute autocratic rule. So it took three kingdoms to have each one have a representation by an animal here and the characteristics that went along, the qualities that went with that animal. Antichrist is going to have all three representations, all in one individual. So I think at the beginning of the tribulations, like Sam said, he's going to be kind of quiet, just kind of doing his thing. He's probably going to have designs to get up there, and he's probably going to be very willing to sell his soul to Satan to get in exchange for that as much power as he can. But after the halfway point, when Satan all of a sudden gives this guy his supernatural ability, his authority, his throne, his power. You know, we don't think often of Satan having his own throne, but he does. And he will give that throne, give that power, give that authority. He'll, he'll lend it to Antichrist. Can, can I read this from Daniel 7? It's just amazing how it lines up. Go ahead. Um, so it's Daniel 7, and, and this is a... The four winds stirred the great sea. Four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched it till its wings were plucked. So that's Babylon. Mm -hmm. Suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. That was the Medo-Persian Empire. After this I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. Um, the beast also had four heads and had dominion given to it. And that was when the Grecian Empire was split into four. After, That's, after, yeah, after Alexander, Alexander died, then his four generals divided the empire into four sections. Antiochus Epiphanes was part of one. Yeah. And he became a little horn. And now I the said, horse beast we don't see explained here, which no. is interesting because that's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. So maybe that is this empire that comes back. It could be. So this be this beast in verse out of the Ottoman Empire, which uh, is a, which could be part of the Roman Empire. It could be because it, it was just split. It could be the, the only. You're talking about if the Ottoman Empire was kind of like revived today because of the yeah. Islamic. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's absolutely a possibility because I know that the Islam well are looking for their final caliphate and their final. Well, moment. you know, you had the the Roman Empire, you had the Western Empire, that broke into the Western Empire, East, yeah. and you know the the part that we have control over the Holy Land would be the Eastern right. part, and yeah. we headquartered in Constantinople. Exactly, exactly, and uh, you know Erdogan has. Uh, uh, 
He's got game too. You oh, know? Sure. He was talking about invading oh, Syria and you know under the pretenses. I think it's a what, the, what do they call a red flag? Oh yeah, uh, false, false flag. flag. Yeah. Uh, he's going in there to handle the Kurds or whatever. They've all got something, but yeah, you're right. Erdogan, however you say his name. Erdogan. Yeah. And then you've got the Syrian guy, and then you've got Saudi Arabia, and then you've got Putin, and then you've got still got Afghanistan and uh, Pakistan, and you know it, that whole thing. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out because it's yeah. You're right. Some of the commentators talk about how much Erdogan resembles Hitler. Oh, I'm, yeah. I mean, if you look side he's, by side, I mean, it's... He's got a little bit more... It's remarkable. Yeah. 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 All he needs is a little... <laughs> a little mustache. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, anyway, the beast appears to die in verse 3 and then rises again. My text says, uh, And I saw one of its heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. So, of course, as you can imagine, commentators don't agree on what this means. Does it mean... A nation or an empire kind of died and is coming back? Does it mean the Antichrist is going to die and come back? But whatever it means, and I have it, I think that it could possibly be both. Yeah. It yeah. could possibly be both because obviously there's going to be some kind of revived, I think it's going to be a, a revived Roman Empire from the past, but it could be the, I mean, we don't really know. And I think it's going to be how he ends up taking precedence. It could be. Well because, it could be. You know, the whole world's heart will just go out to this guy. Oh, this world, isn't it horrible what happened to him? He was shot in the head and, right. you know, oh, yeah. miraculously he survived. Or Well, I think if that happens, if it's an individual who appears to have died and then resurrects, Obviously, what is that? That then is a mimicking of the resurrection of Christ. So all of a sudden, here's this guy in play for a world leader, and maybe he becomes mortally wounded or as if he's mortally wounded and then comes back to life. I mean, wouldn't that wow people? Yeah. Wouldn't that wow the world? And, and then, then they're going to say, then they're going to say, all the world marveled. And, we're, and they're going to say, who's like the beast? This guy died and he came back. We'd be morons not to follow this guy. He's powerful. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I really think that there's a possibility that we're talking about two things here. The reviving, the resurrection of an older empire that already existed, and it will become even more powerful and worse from our perspective um, in the latter days during the tribulation. But I also think it could have something to do with the fact that this Antichrist will appear to die and come back. And, and it certainly could be an attempted assassination. And then all of a sudden this guy resurrects and people will go, Wow! This dude, man! Look at that! He was able to resurrect himself. He died and he's still alive. They didn't believe Jesus. No, they didn't believe Jesus. He right. died and was resurrected. Why I know. should they believe this guy? They'll believe this guy, though. Yeah, they'll believe him because their hearts are so corrupt. But they'll be able to see him, you know. Yeah, like, they like, will be able to know, see they'll him. They'll see him. They'll see him on their phone, on their TV, and whatever. I mean, people heard about Jesus' resurrection, but, you know, if you weren't in Jerusalem and you didn't see him, you may not believe him. Well, you know what's so funny, though? 
not funny, ha-ha, but you look at the Pharisees, the religious leaders. After they'd heard Jesus rose, what did they do? They go to the soldiers who had guarded the tomb and gave them money and said, look, if this gets back to your leaders, we'll deal with it, don't worry about it. So what were they thinking? They must have thought, He's, he's gone or he's resurrected. I don't think they really believed that the apostles or his disciples took him. Mm-hmm. No. Right. No. But anyway, all right, let's continue here. So it mimics the resurrection of Jesus. The beast or the Antichrist obviously increases his power over global society. Who do you want as a leader of the world? Someone who can't be killed. Yeah. That guy, I want to follow. He's got power. I want some of that power. I want what he has. I'm going to follow that dude. I mean, you look at some of the greatest military leaders in history. Patton, um, what's his name, MacArthur. Um, I mean, so many of these military leaders just in the United States, and they had men, at that point it was only men, they had men who would follow them anywhere. And it's because they knew how to motivate the troops, and they just didn't say the words, they lived their words. So here's a guy who actually lives it, by rising from the dead somehow, or making it appear as though he rises from the dead. And uh, so he does this by using deception and blasphemy. So is this resurrection one of the greatest deceptions ever brought on to global society? Could be. And he blasphemes God. Now, this is interesting too, because as he blasphemes God, you'll notice that nothing bad happens to him. So he slanders God's throne. He slanders God's people. He blasphemes God directly. Almost as like a triple dog dare you. And nothing happens. Well, if you're one of the peons on earth at that time who doesn't know God, who doesn't even care about God, who would prefer to have nothing to do with God, and you see this guy blaspheming God to the heavens, and God does nothing in response then wouldn't you think this dude is invincible? I wouldn't want to stand next to him. No, I wouldn't, but they won't even be thinking that. I agree with you, but they wouldn't be thinking that. So Antichrist will use surveillance, deception, and pitting people against people to succeed. And every dictator has used the same thing. Every dictator. Whether it was Germany, Russia, didn't make any difference. China now. Uh, New Zealand just passed a law. I don't know if you've heard about this. Yeah, it just amazes me that these former westernized, although they're in Asia, but the westernized New Zealand and Australia have some of the most uh, surveillance stakes going. Well, they've been internment camps for the COVID, you know. Well, they're graduates of uh, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab's Young Global Leaders. So they're, they're installed into those places, but New Zealand has just passed a law, basically, that says, that encourages people, I don't know if it's a law or whatever it is, encourages people to rat out their neighbors mm-hmm. if they complain about COVID mandates, especially. So surveillance, deception, pitting people against, that's what they're trying to Isn't do in the United States. Been here? Yes, I was just going to, it's already, that's what's already going on in, in here, yeah. too. I mean, they want to. They need to pit people against people. They need to use deception. They need to use surveillance. So this brings us, 
and we're going to finish up with this whole section here, and we'll finish uh, Revelation 13, I guess, next time we get together, which will be in January, January. right? So this, this is a good thing to end on. Um, smart cities. You've heard of them, I'm sure. You've heard of smart appliances, uh, smart meters. Every home has what they call a smart meter on it. Southern Rivers does not have to come out here and look at my meter. They just look on the computer. They know how much I've used. They can shut it off from their computer. But that's okay. I have two generators. So they want to shut me off. I just fire up my generators, and I've got electricity. But most people don't have that. But a smart city is a city that, this is a good definition I came across. A smart city is a municipality that uses information and communication technologies, or ICT, these people are really into abbreviations. Mm -hmm. uh, to increase, they could probably say a whole paragraph just using all their abbreviations. <laughs> to increase operational efficiency, share information with the public, and improve both the quality of government services and citizen welfare. Doesn't that sound so, so great? Good? Yeah. Oh, wow. Don't who wouldn't want that? Yeah, I'm warm all over. Oh, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> but to get that, you've got to give something up. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about it real briefly, and then well, we'll end freedom? Mm. What's that? It's my freedom? I know. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. So the overarching mission of a smart city is, this is what they tell us, is to optimize city functions, to drive economic growth while improving quality of life for its citizens using smart technology and data analysis. Oh, gosh, I will sleep well tonight, won't you? <laughs> so this is what they're trying to achieve. This is what they tell us. It's kind of like Klaus Schwab who says, in the future, you will own nothing and you will be happy. <laughs> and so this is how they're going to make that happen. Here are some of the characteristics. And I don't know if you've studied this, I may be telling you stuff you already know. But the characteristics of a smart city, it is a technology-based infrastructure. And by the way, it only works with Wi-Fi and 5G and the 6G and 7G they're working on right now. Mm -hmm. So it's only going to work because it's a technology-based infrastructure. Infrastructure is what we don't see. So you live in a city and everybody has um, running water, and they have uh, a sewer. direct connection to the sewer. You don't have septic systems. People don't see that stuff because it's all underground. It's all piping. But that's the infrastructure. You know that as well as I do. The infrastructure can also be the telephone pole wires that get from one place to the next. That's the infrastructure. People don't even notice these things. But also the characteristics include environmental initiatives. What can we do to reduce our carbon footprint. What can we do? I know. Let's get rid of our gas-guzzling cars and let's get electric vehicles. And then, when the uh, when resources run really low, like they are doing in parts of Europe right now, then the leaders will get together and go, you know, we don't have enough fuel to heat everybody's home, so people really can't use it to charge their electric vehicles. They're going to have to do away with those. And didn't Klaus just say not long ago, people shouldn't own personal vehicles anyway. They should take the subway or they should take public transport. Yeah, well, we live in the country. 
There is no public. There never will be public transport out here. So environmental initiatives, a high-functioning public transportation system in the cities. It's not going to be out here. Like the one they have in New York. Like the one they have in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Years ago, I rode the uh, I rode the subway. Yeah, and in DC, I rode the subway in uh, in New York. It was fine. Years ago, I, you wouldn't catch me dead on it right now. Of course, you might be. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So a confident sense. Actually, that's exactly how. Exactly right. Um, a confident sense of urban planning and humans to live and work within the city and utilize its resources. Ultimately, what they want is life. Well, that too, but they don't want any of us living out here. Mm -mm. They don't want, Sylvia and I love it. We're a half an hour away from the closest store, the real stores. Um, so they don't want us living out here. We're polluting the land. We're making it difficult for the smart cities to do what they were meant to do. So what they ultimately want to do is pack them and stack them in smart cities. Seems to me like, though, that that's contradictory because out here, I mean... We're not polluting the land, it's, but you see the pollution in the cities. Mm -hmm. Yes, see it but they the, have a hard time controlling us because we are out here. Well, it's uh, the control, control, control is what, I guess. It's I control guess is what they're after. It's the excuse. Climate change, carbon footprints, we know that's just the excuse. There's no science behind that. They'll tell you with a straight face. They'll lie to you. Are they closing three thousand? Somebody want three thousand farms in Holland? No, more than mm -hmm. that. More than Six that. to seven thousand farms in the Netherlands. They're going to close. Six to seven thousand farms. Well, that's what? Well, well, because they have to reduce nitrogen. Because nitrogen is going to destroy the planet. Nitrogen. But don't we need nitrogen? Mm -hmm. Oh shh. Sh <laughs> Don't you dare go off script. <laughs> no, I mean, it's so ridiculous. It. What is it? All of us are called. They need this windmills. No, you know what they need the land for? Because they're going to build cheap housing for all the immigrants, and I use the term loosely, that they're bringing into those countries. So the people of the Netherlands who were born and raised there and have been there for generations won't get anything but the people who are coming there to overwhelm the system will continue to get everything free. So they say they need this land to build housing for the immigrants. That's what they say they need it for. Because, you know, the world is in such upheaval that all these people are fleeing these countries so they can come to another country and live freely. Yeah. So... So in a smart city, a strong bond. I like how feed all those folks. They're not. They're they don't care about that. Oh, no. haven't you heard? Then crickets. You get violence. Oh, crickets. That's right. We're gonna eat crickets. They're making flour right now out of crickets. Don't eat any because it has chitin, chitin in it, which is not good for the human digestive system. In a smart city, a strong bond exists between government and the private sector. That's a nice way of saying government will control your lives, and the private sector corporations will. Be in it with the government. That's what's happening now. Mm -hmm. That is Don't absolutely that. what's happening now. And we'll talk about that real briefly here. Right here. ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance. That's what that stands for. We'll create social credit scores. Um, I just learned that Tractor Supply, um, they supported a happening, an event in Texas. Turns out it was a drag queen event. And one of their banners was up there. And they 
they were questioned about it, and they said, oh, you know, we, di we didn't really know it was going to be that kind of event. <laughs> so we are aghast and embarrassed. But the reality is, if you go to the tractor supply site, they will talk about their goals for ESG. And then ESG is what the big, huge central banks are using yeah. to grade companies. Mm -hmm. And if you get a low ESG score, you're not going to get loans at tip-top, the best pricing, the best rates, etc. Or you et won't get loans at all. Or you won't right. get them at all. So these, these companies, because they're in it to make money, number one, they're going to kowtow to this stuff because they want to be in business. Now, you know, I, I, you do what you want, we'll do what we want, but you can't obviously boycott every company. You can't unless you grow all of your own food, produce your own electricity, and, and everything else that goes with it. So you can't. You just simply can't. And at the same time, I feel sorry for the average employee at these companies because they have nothing to do with it. They're just there to earn a living and make yeah, to feed their family. Not so, no, you know, yeah. if, if I knew everything that Westhead supported, I couldn't. I, it's not yeah, worth it. I can't. So, ESG is what they're using, the big banks, the central banks, and the conglomerates are using to grade other companies. And eventually, that's going to be dealt with. I know you can't see this, but I'm going to be putting up the, uh, the slides as a PowerPoint presentation. So, and, and I don't want to dwell on this too much. I'm certainly not going to read all of this to you. Uh, you can read it on your own time. Um, but everything is tied together. Everything is tied together. And you'll notice there's the Wi-Fi symbol right there. It can only... Here's another one down here. There's another one there. All of this... There's another one. Notice that's a street lamp. Here's a stop sign, a stoplight, another street lamp. None of this happens without... Wi-Fi. None of it. That's why China... China was the big experiment by technocrats. We think of China as being a communist country, and it is. But behind that, more importantly, it's a technocracy. It's where people, unelected bureaucrats, decide what will happen in that country. And it only works because there is so much 5G and so many uh, 5G towers in China. And they have all kinds of things, like police officers can wear special glasses. You would have liked this, and you would have liked this. You, you see people walking at you in China, it's facial recognition. Instantly, you, you know who they are. Instantly, in your side of your glasses, it gives you a read -out. It tells you who that person is. Instantly. Well, that only happens because of Wi-Fi and 5G. So every, this is why I say, even stuff like this, you know, things have gotten bad, and then good, bad, good through history, dark, light, the whole bit. We think of the dark ages. But the big problem is society has never been ever at this point that it is now with technology. Never. You know, if you stop and think of the Jetsons, and I've mentioned them before, mm -hmm. there are seven, at least seven gadgets in the Jetsons that are actually alive, well, being used right now. Yeah, things we do today. Things we do today. The Jetsons did. 20, 1962. No. Oh, 60, yeah, 1960. 60 years ago. Yeah. 60 years ago, 6 decades ago, Hanna-Barbera created the Jetsons and looked forward into the future and says, what might they use? Well, let's make this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we're using some of that stuff. Technology has made it possible. Wi-Fi, the Internet, 5G connects it all. Mm -hmm. We will not have smart appliances in our house. 
I'm not going to get a smart car. I am not. If I had to get another car, I'd get an older car that worked well. Um, it's too easy. They've already got the technology to take over cars, to yeah. turn them off. If you have a screen in your vehicle, oh, they, yeah. can, they can cut it off or they yeah. can guide it off. I know. Whatever. Oh, but we and, sound and like they can watch you as you oh, yeah. I know. We sound like conspiracy theorists, but as I said before, Noah was a conspiracy theorist. And then it rained, and, and it's this is the reality. They don't want us. They don't want us to take this stuff seriously. You don't have an Alexa. No, we don't. No. I don't have an Alexa, a Google, a Siri. I turn my Siri off in my phone. I don't have any of those things where I can go, um, Alexa. Could you add to the list that I'm making for Walmart? None. I just get out a pencil and, and a piece of paper, down. and I write it down. I hate that, but my art, I mean, I just, I will not do it. That. It's not on our calendar, it don't happen. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah, and they think it's We write it down. Yeah, they, so, don't, they don't, yeah. But this all leads us to this thing, too, that, that, see, this is all happening. Hey, Buck, lay on your cushion. Lie this down. is all happening because of three things. Lie down. Three things. And we are all guilty as a society of down. wanting those three things to a you certain extent. Down. Here's another example. Look at this. Here's a smart city, central monitoring, energy management. All these Wi-Fi symbols connect everything. Monitors traffic, um, monitor parking, communications, city service. Everything Good is boy. done. Here's the home area network and individual homes. Video surveillance. Video surveillance. So everything is done and is able to be accomplished because of Wi-Fi. It's absolutely amazing. Um, not a couple of weeks ago, our daughter got in a minor fender bender crossing the bridge up from Chattanooga to Hickson. And fortunately, it was just her. It was just a single accident. She, she was in the forerunner, and it, she lost control of it for some reason. Was it slippery on her Yeah, something? she said the back wheels started the back slipping, wheels started and so turning. she corrected into the wall. Yeah, she <laughs> overcorrected, hit that wall, and then went to the other side and hit that wall. No other cars were involved. Sylvia was able to get online and look for the the department the camp, of yeah, the, the, dot. the dot cameras up there and she can see the live situation as it was unfolding. Mm -hmm. That's the technology that we have today. Here's another example of a smart digital life. Don't you want to be part of this? Where everything is smart shopping, smart security, smart health care. We've already got some of this. Every time I make an appointment with my doctor, um, all of a sudden I get an email from the doctor's office that I get an email. Online. Pardon me? Check in online. Oh, yes. yes. And yeah. then I get an email from uh, my chart to tell me I've got a new message. Mm -hmm. You know, so they it's all going yeah, this way. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Look at smart education. So your smart attendance, digital schedule system, student tracking, parental control systems, all in the smart parental education. Control. Yeah. Parental control. They still allow that? Yeah, they, they still, still have to that a point. on there. Well, only, only in... They're what? controlling the parents. Right, yeah. exactly. To control mm -hmm. the children. But this is really incredible. they got smart transportation mobility, smart infrastructure. All of this is based on an infrastructure that we normally can't Overweight see. Overweight detector system. Oh no, that's on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're. No, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Don't, don't no, say that out loud. That's not right. I know, right? This Internet of Things has been around for a while. I wrote about it in one of my books on technocracy. But the interesting thing is, it's the Internet of Things, meaning that the Internet isn't just used for people like you and I to connect with other pages and to contact other people. 
The Internet of Things has a, has a huge subnetwork which is used for machines to connect with and communicate with other machines. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this is just some of the stuff. Transportation congestion sensors. Number two, water and wastewater monitoring. Drums. So how hard is it going to be for them to decide who's using too much water? My, um, is it your mom with the heater? Okay, so she joined this program out there with their... It was um, during that heat wave. During the heat wave. So she joined the program out there with the uh, PG&E. And, &E, and uh, it, you get a cheaper rate, but it allows them to control, to take control of your thermostat. Something I would never do, but I, I get it with her. So then one day she woke up, and what did it say? Well, she had a message on her phone, oh. because she doesn't text. It was right. on her phone saying she had, used up, she had used too much power the previous day, and they were going to limit her power between 4 and 9 p.m. And so she called me. She goes, I warmed up my coffee in the microwave. I mean, you know, what? She didn't... Yeah, it's hard to believe she used that. Right, She's right. one but person said, living by herself. Probably everybody on the program got that phone yeah. message, but it upset her so much, she's yeah. trying to figure out what she had done. Right, and, and and so here you are living, trying to live life, and then you've got Big Brother literally over, oh, you've used too much, sorry, we're shutting you down well, for today. Well, they monitor the water and there's all no the time, too. Either, the only, exactly, once no, you join no, the program, no, now no, you're in. Corporations, you're in. You agreed to go right it. now, I mean, I the aspect of it, where, you know, the government is going to Facebook, Google, and saying, oh, hey, yeah. we want you to minimize... Uh, Not minimize, censor, right? Censor, yeah. Did you read all that stuff about Biden's, yeah. uh, Hunter Biden's laptop yeah. and how the government literally, yeah. literally came in and said, you need to get that out of there? And apparently some of it at first was unknown to CEO Jack Dorsey, but then when he did find out about it, find out about it and got involved in it, it, it still became a mess. It was a huge mess. It's still yeah, a big still a huge mess. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mark Zuckerberg, of course, they're all trying to put their spin on it oh, now. Of they have to. Out of the bag. You they know. have to. Oh, the FBI came to us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so we had to obey. No, you didn't. But most of them are like, freedom of speech, Bill of Rights, what? No, that's not absolute. That's not absolute. So, in conclusion here, Smart cities will include the Internet of Things where everything is connected via Wi-Fi. This is why they are pushing so hard to get Wi-Fi to the rural areas especially. They need this to be able to control as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Digital ID cards. They'll call them digital ID cards. Well, they'll call them actually health passports or smart health cards. But really what they'll be is uh, digital ID cards that are pretty intrusive because... They will, they will be able to provide all kinds of information about us to the powers that be, bureaucrats, who don't even need to know. The UN has said by 2030, no one will be left behind. Doesn't that sound heartwarming? Mm -hmm. You'd almost think, oh, really? They're going to feed everybody? All the people who are dying how, of hunger? How, and how? No. What? How? How yeah. will they feed everybody? Oh, they could have. They could have. I guess with crickets. Depending on what they feed you. Yeah, what are they, right. So what that really means, though, is no one's going to be left behind. They want all participating in this system, which means everyone's movements, everyone's activities will be monitored via a massive surveillance system. And the best part is they will be 
graded because of it. Now, what's interesting here, the social credit scoring system that exists in China is eventually coming to the entire world, and they're going to make it happen somehow, at least in parts of the United States. So there will be a day where I probably won't even go into a large city unless I absolutely have to. Well, that's already happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. The tag oh. readers and all of that. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, Thomas Dennis talking about the, they're going to put the tag readers at every entrance and exit really? in the city. Oh, so yeah. they can see Pike who's County coming. already has it on the, on the who, highways. Who does? Pike County. So wait, that's that's they can look back at that and yeah, see the person. Yeah, you see a camera on a pole it, it with uh, a like a little solar thing. Yeah, that's tag like that. that's So they just want to be able to go. All right, plug in this person's license plate, see where they were. Yeah. Well, hmm. I'm glad they. Have you don't have any freedom of movement anymore. No, no, you really don't. So it doesn't matter well, if you take your phone or not. They know no, where you are. It has legitimate uses. Of course, it does. It always has, right? But <laughs> that's, it, the, it, that's it, the excuse. It, the problem is, is the availability of abuse far outweighs the legitimate uses. And it don't think it, it will be abused. It will be abused. Already That's the purpose is. of it. And don't you think it's it's yeah. setting our freedom and our rights, our guaranteed rights yeah. under the Constitution aside, and they don't care. So yeah. the reality here is this is really interesting. I was reading about this. Uh, there are robots in San Francisco that they're rolling out um, that actually can be used against civilians. They will have... Um, the ability, I thought it was fascinating because I saw a picture of one and it has two chrome, they look like rifle barrels, two Ooh. chrome rifle barrels. And, and they will be used to only, um, I guess, contain explosives. And they said, oh, they won't be used to fire bullets. And I'm thinking, not right now. Yeah. But how far right. down the road will it be before they decide to convert them to bullet, uh, to guns that actually shoot? But supposedly they're only going to use them against the worst and most violent offenders as the need arises. Well, we know once they put something like this in place that it's going to be so easy to just go past it and well, use bomb, it however they want. Bomb robots have been weaponized for oh, oh yeah. 20 years. Oh, yeah. I know. No more. It's no crazy, more. though. So they're going to be doing all this stuff. I don't know if you've ever heard of puke ray technology. Anybody familiar with that? It is actually a... A technology that has been originally housed on the top of a streetlight, and it's a way to be able to control uh, crowds. What they do is literally they shoot rays of lights at people in various um, colors and combinations until the person literally pukes their guts out. So it's a way of getting them uh, submissive, getting them to submit without... Sound waves. Yes, yes, sound waves, they've been able to do that too. Um, yeah, that happened not too long ago, I think, uh, with one of our embassies in another country. What so, they Cuba? That's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, Cuba. That's right. Thank you. So they've got all this stuff going on. Most of it we don't even know about. And this is the stuff that you don't really see. But the bottom line is this. All of this is ultimately going to create a digital prison. And we will be involved in this digital prison, especially in the large cities, won't even realize it, and people will be willing to embrace it because they'll want security, they'll want safety, and they'll want convenience. convenience. And the only way to go against this and say anything or to regain our freedom is to really just say no.
And now, not not a lot will, but I think, and I made sure I put non-violently because I don't want anybody when I put this up on the internet to take this the wrong way. What is our response to smart cities? Resist non-violently. Get out of them if you're in one. Move to rural areas like we are doing, but do what you can and rely on one another for mutual support. But what, what's crazy is every European city has no-go zones. I know. And usually it's I know. Islamic, you know. Right, usually it is. Well, the police won't even go in there. Right, they exactly. have the, They've allowed them to establish their own yeah, Sharia law yes. or whatever with Sharia yeah. courts. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's I mean, just, the Chinese are buying up all that. The Chinese have already got their own uh, police force here. In New York City. In Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of the places where they have bought up all this land. It's not legal. Sorry. It, it's not legal, but they do it. They are doing it because of the money. What do you think about uh, alien, and I say alien, I use it term loosely, alien like... Uh, you mean human aliens? No, no. no I'm talking about alien aliens, <laughs> UFOs landing on the White House lawn, and we have arrived. And oh, I know. think. Um, see, this is the way I view it. I, I think those are demons.